You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, hopefully you won some money on UFC 261 this past weekend. Hey, maybe even some Flames players help you win some money. It's rare, but it happens. If not, basketball season is still going on, and you can still get on the action at DraftKings. Playing daily fantasy basketball is really easy. You just pick your lineup, you stay under the cap, and you see how your team stacks up against the competition. If baseball is more your thing, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, but there's still time to get in on all the daily fantasy action, where DraftKings has even more ways to win. Download the DraftKings app and use the code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That code is THPN, where you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the We Still Suck Podcast. Podcast. Okay, well, we um, we were scheduled to record this earlier, but seeing as you win two games and everything's now riding on this third game against Montreal, we figured, well, we better we we better wait because uh, we don't want to come in uh, on a, too much of a high and before the boys probably shit the bed and shit the bed they did. Wow, it's very unlike the Calgary Flames to, you know, not win in an elimination type game, you know. The thing is, is like we have we I was just saying, have we even seen the Cocktees yet? Because um, I don't think we have. So I kind of have a feeling that they'll, they'll probably go on a bit of a run now that they're six points back. Well, yeah, you just got to take it one game at a time and you move on to the next one and uh, you try to get two points. I mean, you know, you never like, you never like to lose. Well, you know, you know, yeah. Like you said, uh, winning, uh, losing is never fun. That's Sean Monahan after the game, pretty much verbatim, just for those of you who are wondering. <laughs> yeah, couldn't tell. <laughs> We've got a couple games. What, 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 what did you have to say for himself? Uh, well, yo, we got a couple practice days here, and yeah, we we'll get back on the right track. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's be ready for Edmonton on uh, Friday. Gotta learn from this real quick. Got to learn from that one real quick. Got to pick up some tips. I guess it's Thursday, but oh, my God. All right. We're going to break down the first two games real quick. I mean, like you said, classic Calgary Flames. Just be like, okay, they're out of it. It's done. Then they win two games and then build a little bit of curiosity. Um, like, I mean, we were just talking about this. Center's been hammering on this. These are two evenly pretty matched uh, teams. So you win the first game 4-2. I mean, did we dominate him? I mean, I think you all played him. Or was it the second game? One, of, I think it was the first game. The second first game, you absolutely dominated them. You dominated them in terms of possession. You dominated them in terms of uh, quality shot share. A great game from the Flames. A couple, well, what was it, th- four to five days ago now? The 4-2 win. That was pure and utter domination that game. Yeah, yeah. Dubé, Mangiapane, and then Monaghan with the game winner from Johnny. I kind of wish that didn't happen now because all of a sudden now you have to reunite the two guys. Yeah, that was a big mistake tonight, reuniting those guys. Yeah, 13 and 23. Keep them separate, please. As soon as you saw it in the first two shifts, as soon as Monaghan gets Gaudreau back on his wing, starts coasting again. Yeah. Like at least he was, it looked like he was trying to drive play, even though he wasn't. Well, and it did. limits it limits what Gaudreau can do too, right? Yeah. Like, because he's got to do everything i did like gaudreau and manjapani playing together tonight though but it wasn't enough no no it's not gonna be enough so the flames have uh 
15 high danger chances to the Habs five at five on five in the four, two victory, a really strong game from the flames that game. Yeah. Out of the three, that's the one they actually, they pretty much dominate. Lindholm gets the empty netter for insurance. And then people are like, okay, well, we got the one. Let's see what happens. And the next one, I don't know. It didn't look good early, did it? Because Montreal comes out to a one nothing lead. It's late in the first period. You think, oh, they're going to go into the second period of the lead. Yeah. Right before uh, Kachuk does something for once. Backhand pass to, to Johnny. Dude, how about big of a snipe? Out of, that's the best oh, goal I've man. seen in weeks. That's the best goal I've seen in like years. <laughs> well, I guess the Gaudreau in overtime against the, the Riddick. Um, that's the best goal since then. Six snipe. And that was it. That's what I'm saying about Johnny is like, he's a deceptive shooter because he can, he can pick corners so well. That's why I think, like, God, he just works so much better on a line with a guy who's not like Monaghan, where if, like, you know, you have some dual threats with Gaudreau, guys who can get him the puck instead of just floating, he's a good shooter. If you if you have guys on his line who aren't, if it's not, if the, if the playbook is get Gaudreau the puck, he makes the play for the shooter, that's pretty easy to defend, and we've seen the league adjust to defend that. But when you play Gaudreau with guys who are equally as talented at playmaking and can score, so you have like a double dual threat, you see stuff like that. And then we saw the opposite tonight again. So you go back to what wasn't working. Um, yeah, I really don't. We, I really don't understand the rationale behind putting Gaudreau and Monahan back together. And I mean, it, even even more so to the point, I don't understand the rationale of putting Dubé back with Chuck and Lindholm. Yeah. I mean, we made a big stink about this on the last podcast of putting Richie back in the top six. Turns out he didn't really roll with that, right? They they rolled um, 11 forwards those first two games that they won. Went back to, to 12 this last game. I, I guess they had Buddy Robinson in the second game, but for the for a lot of that game, he still rolled with 11 forwards. Um, and then, yeah, back to normal. Back to what wasn't working before, reuniting 13 and 23. And I mean, those, those first two games, especially the first game against the Habs, they were playing with pace. They come out and they play with pace. When they play with pace, they drive play, they dictate a lot of the game. And no wonder we actually generate more chances because you're, that's what's going to happen tonight. I mean, in the first period, like, wow, these guys are flat, not a good recipe. We know what happens to this team. When they play a flat game, they lose. Well, flat, no shit. And one high danger chance in the first. I get like they only allowed one, two, but like. Well, the shots are what, three to four with like three minutes left in the period? Brutal in that first period. That was gross. And I mean, you know what? Like Glenn Galton was right. (laughs) He said to these guys, you win one, you win one fucking game and you're king shit. You're top of the league. That's what these guys have always been like. I knew today was going to be a tough game because I've watched this team for long enough. Like even before the game, you could hear the guys being interviewed. And I was like, oh, fuck. I just, I just knew they were going to, they felt they had it done. You know what I mean? It was like, we won two. It'll be easy to get the third one. And the thing that's so frustrating is Montreal was not very good tonight. No. Tonight was a win. That's what's infuriating. It was a winnable game. Yep. You could have won that game. Jake Allen looked uh, shaky. He looked tired. He was very beatable tonight. If only he could generate more than one <laughs> high danger scoring chance in the first period. How many did they have in the third? You're down two. by one. They had two. Seasons on the line. And I don't care how good they are defensively. Like you have top end talent up front. At least he used to. Same guys. Seasons on the line. Can you fucking generate something? Well, listen, Matthew Kachuk has six points. Where the hell is this guy? In his last 16 games, he has six points. I haven't pulled this up, but I'm curious to see on 30 other teams in the league if the highest paid player on their team has six points over the last 16 games. Because I have a hard time believing that's true across the league. That's unbelievable. Right, let, let's get into the Chucky discussion because 
that's where we're at. Um, I mean, scrolling through Twitter during the game, there's a, he was probably the focal point of discussion and there's different perspectives. You can take it right. A lot of people, I think the unanimous thing, people are just confused. Well, what's going on with this guy? Some people are like, okay, he's not untouchable anymore. I'm not going to go that far, but there's something definitely going on. And if he's not injured, then what else, what else could it be? Obviously there's a lot of whatever you want to call it. Um, gossip rumor around the whole situation with Muzzin early on in the season, it's been squashed a few times, but if you look at the turning point for him in his career, was he well, this is his fourth season? He's been pretty money until that moment. And he's had a really tough time bouncing back since then. Right. And that's why it's, it, it's almost impossible to believe that it's a coincidence, right? Because it's like, there's such a clear delineation in his play. Yeah. He had a bit of a resurgence resurgence when Sutter came on board, but that's fizzled, fizzled out now too. It's just um, so weird. So we got to bring, bring it up again. Is there something going on in the locker room? Um, because I don't know. It seems, it seems to me just from the outside perspective that Gio and Monahan are considered the leaders in that room. Like when, like Chucky doesn't even, even do interviews anymore. I haven't seen him post game for a while. I don't Not know. Who, he fell who flat se- on his face. Eh? <laughs> I don't know who selects those. Like does the TPR team, does the coach selects who has to go talk to the media? Cause I mean, most of the time I know Johnny does it from time to time, but I see Monahan yeah. and Gio answering questions. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, you know, well, yeah. Starts tonight. Starts tonight. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's like, holy fuck. Am I bald? <laughs> fuck, man. And then it's just like, I never see Chucky out there. So I like, I don't know. There's, so here's there's one something weird going on, man. Let's look at the possible scenarios, right? Because I think this opened up a discussion for us, right? Just during game and post game, texting each other, trying to figure what the hell's going on. If there's anybody most likely to have a resurgence next season, it's going to be 19 and 13, right? Kachuk and Goudreau, whether it's on this flame, I don't, I don't see, there's no way they're getting rid of Kachuk in the off season. I mean, you're just, you're not, you're not coming to that, to that point yet, unless you're terrified about the qualifying. Like you said it the other day, this, this guy's qualifying offer is, is 10 mil, nine mil, nine mil. He's set to be paid more than Leon Dreisaitl. And listen, I don't think that's a, I don't think that in a vacuum is a bad thing. I just think it coincides with like Gaudreau, Manjapani, Kachuk are all, it's, it's, it coincides with a, a problem, kind of like a, uh, a turning point for the team in terms of where they're going to spend their money. You know, you have a bunch of contracts up. Um, his well, nine, Brad, his nine. Just- He's just been buying time, buying time with all these guys. And now that the window is closing, while the time time is still going, it's like, now what? Exactly now what? He's just been buying time forever. Instead of going for it, which he should have, instead of picking a direction and either going for it or blowing it up and selling Monaghan and Gaudreau at their peak where you could have got an absolute shit ton, he's done neither. And he's ignored. It's again, it's, it's the accrual of ignored decisions. And now it's like, well, fuck now what? So listen, like if you look at Matthew Kachuk's underlying metrics, he's still been a good play driver this year. But again, if you're you, if you know what he's capable of, if you've watched this guy play since 2016, and I mean, he's been the heartbeat of this team. He's been the great game breaker. He has been the game breaker. And yeah, like you said, when was the last time you saw him with the, with some antics that really pushed things over the top and, you know, just 
you, you after the game, you just say, wow, this guy is such a gamer, right? Because usually when he's getting into those antics and just pissing everybody off, I mean, he was doing a bit with Muzzin when they played against the Leafs. When's the last time, when's the last time Matthew Kachuk implemented, like put his stamp on a game? Yeah. Perfectly said. When? I'm trying to think. Has he done it this year? I don't know. Maybe. The last, the last stamp he put on a game was when Muzzin made him look like an idiot. Yeah. So his, he put a stamp on a game for a negative reason. I can't think of a game this season. A game this season does not stand out to me. The last thing, the last time I can remember Matthew Chuck being an impact maker was when he beat the shit out of Blake Wheeler. That's the last true yep. Matthew Chuck game I remember. Right last year in the playoffs. I, and, I honestly. And he, you saw the fire in him until the Muzzin incident this season. Yep. And. You like you said this, it was Elliot reporting on it. And one thing you know about Elliot, right? He's not he's not clickbait. So the reason why he's he's so respected in his industry is because he really tries to only post and discuss things that are legitimate. So if it's coming from Elliot, it's a pretty solid source, is it not? I would say that's rock solid if it's coming from Elliot. And so you're left with that. No one really addresses it directly. You get some roundabout questions for Matthew Kachuk and Jeff Ward. They both laugh it off. It makes you sound like it's nothing. Like when I heard Matthew's response to the whole situation that maybe the team told him to tone it down, but where that, where would Elliot come up with this, this whole concept? Oh yeah. We don't want to ride every night. And I know Johnny mentioned something that's spitting chiclets, but that wasn't where he was getting his info, was it? I don't believe so, no. The main thing is, and and you brought this up, right? Around that time, shortly after, because it was up until that moment, if you're a Flames fan, you know, there's been a general consensus of like, this guy is obviously the next captain. Can we give it to him now? At the start of the season, Gio's regression was so apparent that it was just like, Kate. Okay, is this guy even capable of like emotionally leading this team? Like give it to Chucky. There's even, you know, people saying that after the Dallas series, obviously they're not going to do it. Gio's veteran, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, well, I don't know, man. Like this, at some point, this organization needs to show some, you know, an aptitude or like the opposite show some balls. Right. And well, like, it, it would be akin to like back when Jerome McGinley was named captain, if they had just left it with like Craig Conroy or something, you know, it's like, you know what? Like, and I'm not a big, like old leadership, but it is like you said, it is quite clear who this team considers to be the leaders. Yep. The organization, very, the organization seems to be fixated on geo on Backland on Monaghan on Lucic. On guys like that, yep. they don't Tanev, seem Tanev now. Tanev now, and those like like it's so funny to me that you always hear the argument from a lot of people like, "Oh, the dressing room's toxic." It's the culture. Culture needs to change in Calgary, but for some reason, it's like always directed at guys like Gaudreau or like you know. But like for some reason, guys like who are actual culture setters, who are actual pillars for the organization aren't mentioned geo backland you know monahan well monahan gets it a bit but it's just yep. it's so clear and you said this a while ago you said it after the muzzin incident that when another leader comes along like kachuk you know and he has such a clear style and such a clear personality you know and that and, can uh, and, and an ability you hear it all the time. Yeah. To, dra to drag your team into the fight. We have not seen that in the past 20 games, 30 games. Right. And if so he, something is he at a shifted. point where he's like, fuck this shit. You something know? shifted. Like, cause say what you, again, I love geo, but like, has he ever in his career dragged this team into the fight? 
not like Matthew Kachuk does. I mean, exactly. He's, he's played big games. I mean, he has in his own way. Listen, I know, I I know, but his he, if you're not saying, like Matthew like, Kachuk does, no one does to, it like Matthew Matthew Kachuk does. Exactly. Or, did, or now did. we now we've lost that. You've lost probably the most important thing going in the organization. In my opinion, other than, other than maybe, you know, keeping pucks out of the net and putting pucks in the net. What's more important than that element? You lost something that apparently this team has been goddamn obsessed with forever. All you've ever heard Brad Living's bullshit moves. Oh, we're going to bring in Brower because he's tough to play against playoff experience hates to hates to lose all you've ever heard about is how this organization wants to be formed around the premise that their guys hate to lose who hates to who hates or hated to lose more than Matthew Kachuk and then for some reason despite that being the organizational mandate that's what the organization is telling us that they want despite that you have a guy who gets so fucking pissed off every time they lose that he flips out. They tell that guy to cool it. Yeah. Talking out your mouth and your ass at the same time is what that is for the Calgary Flames organization. So like, again, I, everyone's like, Oh, you got to trade. It's like, no, you don't trade. Kachuk. (laughs) You need to address the number one issue currently in this organization. And that's Brad true living. Here's what you do with Matthew Kachuk. You say, Matthew, this is your fucking team. Give him the captaincy and stop fucking around. Like what's the, what are the options with geo? Like it's a really tough situation. I get it. So maybe like I brought up a few times, you know, the biggest comparison we have with Mark Giordano and his tenure with the flames is Dano Chara with the Bruins. I mean, he didn't play his entire career there, but he played a shit ton. How many cups did he win there? Hey, what, like that? I would say that's even like more of a right. That's even more to the. That's even more of an uh, a bigger situation. It's like it Charles was their captain who led them to cups and a cup and Stanley Cup finals and was there forever and was like the heart and soul of that team. It is and much bigger because they, if you look at the flip side. Gio's been our captain for how long? How, what have we won? What's he led us to? Dick. Sweet dick. Dick all. So what are the options with Mark Giordano? Because, <laughs> like, oh, man. Not for a lack of effort. Like, like that's the one thing, right? The guy <laughs> Exactly. You know the guy tries gonna, too fucking hard. You know you're going to get 180. 10% output from Mark Giordano every single time he's on the ice. Like the game winning goal tonight is his fault because once again, he's flying to make a pinch, absolutely flying to make an ill-advised pinch. And then he gets all crisscrossed with his D partner and loses his coverage. Well then therefore both goals are his fault because you're down oh, yeah, you're the penalty. A penalty and you trip someone like an idiot. What is he? Why is he so aggressive on the, on the blue line on the power play there? Oh well, my god! He, he can't Gio. stand to lose a battle. That's why we love him. But seriously, like, I'm, I'm like, okay, what are your options? Because if this, if if I'm running this organization, and I mean, we can't help but put ourselves in that perspective. I mean, that's what we do all the time, right? I mean, that's that's our thing. So. If if you're looking at this shit mess you're in right now, and where is the is the analysis coming from, right? The players aren't necessarily they gotta they have to evaluate themselves. I mean that's their job. The coach has to evaluate the team. The general manager has to evaluate the entire organization, and then you have the owners evaluating the GM. So. Where is this going to come down to? Because if you're looking at where we are, and this is this is a large sample size now. This is two seasons. And I get it. It's been weird. Two seasons, all right? COVID. 
Nothing's normal. There's no fans. But no one cares. Nobody fucking cares. Like, you're still obligated to perform in sports. It's harsh, but that's the way it is. So who's a, who is going to get the last evaluation here? Like, where is the evaluation going to end? Starts with me. Because I literally think it's time to go in a different direction uh, with the, this general manager because we've been saying this. This is Brad's team. This is the culmination of all his moves that he's been making for six years have brought us to this point. What you've seen in the last two seasons have his fingers all over. I mean, you're looking at the roster tonight, and you're like, why can't we do it? Like, sure, guys have had guys have had bad seasons like Kachuk. Johnny's not even had that bad of a season considering, you know, the output of his entire team. Same same to be said with Lindholm. Monty's been falling off a cliff. There's people that claim they saw that coming. Why didn't the general manager see that coming? Mark Giordano. I mean, that's that's the most obvious out of all of them, right? Seen for years. It's like you think he's going to play forever. He's just not. So there's there's nothing really out of left field. Well, that's yeah, taken place that exactly. excuses Brad Tree Living from the fact that this is his team that he's created that's giving us this this amount of results. Exactly. And everyone will pull up the, oh, it's the COVID excuse. I mean, this guy spent 36 mil on a goalie. I don't really buy the, there's no money excuse. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, the cap didn't go up. Oh, great. Well, okay. Well, maybe you shouldn't have put yourself in a position where you're paying Backlund and Lucic 11 mil. And I mean, like you said, you look at that lineup tonight and I was like, all I kept thinking, because that lineup tonight was gross. Since we haven't even talked about the Hannafin injury. That defense is fucking rank. That's your defense. That's your defensive core after saying your priorities defense. Your fucking top four is the ghost of Mark Giordano, Chris Tanev. Who is Michael, having who is having an unbelievably who, unprecedented season bounce God back from last for Chris season. Tanev's bounce back. Michael Stone and rookie Yusuf Valamaki. That's your top four defenseman after seven years. And after forthrightly proclaiming your priority was defense in the offseason. That's your defense. And how many trade chips in the last two seasons have you traded away to acquire depth defensemen who are no longer nowhere near your organization? That you got nothing back in return for. That you gave up second and third round picks for. And then you look at the bottom six tonight. My God. Like, all I could think tonight, it just stuck out like a sore thumb tonight to me. It was just like, this is seven years of a guy's work. This and is it? And your third line is Milan Lucic. And again, I'm not picking on Lucic. Lucic, Backlund, Brett Ritchie, a PTO? No, it was Nordstrom. Nordstrom, Buddy Robinson, and Derek Ryan. That's your bottom six after seven years? How and does it get worse every year? Like, I just, it's just like, wow like that that to me looked like that's like a team that you would take over and be like well we really got to rebuild this thing we got our hands full like that's an all that is a shit roster like the fact that they have been competitive the last three games with this roster and now without Noah Hannafin the fact that they even held they, they almost held on is actually quite impressive given that roster <laughs> that's <laughs> this is the culmination of Brad Chilling's moves over the last Six, seven, right? Years. And it's like they can't score, and this is what it all comes down to me with me, you know. They and the, can't, and the, other, they, the other thing is like this is supposed to be the pinnacle of our window right now. Yeah, right now in. it's supposed to be the it's not, it's not even like okay, we did our playoff push, you know, a season ago, two seasons ago, and and now we're a bit of a mess that we gotta clean up. That's kind of like where Vancouver's at, right? We're at we're supposed this is supposed to be our pinnacle, but Brad couldn't have added the right pieces for three seasons now. Continue your grant wherever you were. Well, I'm just, you can't fucking score. And that's always been the problem with this team. We've been talking about it for two years since we've been doing this show is you don't have enough scoring in the top six. You have it like, it just, what what was the difference tonight? What has been the difference this season in games you've played against in tight games? The other teams have guys you can put the puck in the net. Who scored the game winning goal tonight? 
the that's the kicker is it, <laughs> the people who are scoring us and beating us are the guys you could have picked up. Like the Flames currently Jay Fresh Hockey just using his goal his expected goal model, 28th in goals above expected. Essentially that means scoring below the in level the of the chances you're creating. The Flames are fine at creating chances, not fine, they're about middle of the road, but they can't finish them. This is the bottom line. This team does not have enough finishers. They haven't had enough finishers. They have two guys right now who can finish at an above average level, and that's Goudreau and Lindholm. That's it. They have two guys who can score goals pretty much. Manjapani, he's a great two-way player, but he has trouble finishing sometimes. We all know Monaghan is a ghost shell of a player. Kachuk can't score, apparently. Can't the net. Can't even shoot without falling flat on his face. Don't know where, like, Backlund, he can't score. He looks, he looks cooked, man. It's just fucking mind blowing to me that I get. I I think I say this once every episode is like I cannot believe we are still talking about this. They haven't been able to score goals at an elite level for three years because they haven't had enough talent in the top six. We still don't, and it still hasn't been addressed. Fucking mind blowing, dude. Well, that. <laughs> I mean, for us, that was the most obvious assessment coming out of the Colorado Avalanche series. Oh, Johnny Gaudreau wasn't good enough to win the series by himself. Okay, so we better bring in some more defensive players, and hopefully Johnny can do it next season. And, I mean, again, like, you look, who scored? Tyler Toffoli has 25 goals this year. He makes five and a quarter, or two and a, four and a quarter. How many chances have you had to sign him? You could trade. You like it's just it's absolutely it's absolutely mind blowing. Like, how many guys were available on cheap ass deals this off season that you could have addressed your biggest need and you didn't? The refusal to do so is just unacceptable to me. So coming back to this, where does the evaluation end? Right? I mean, the players, whatever, like they value themselves. That's it. That's it. The coach. I don't know, man. The Sutter's going to do everything he can. I don't think it's enough. Well, again, he, he says it pretty much after every game. Yeah. The team, the team's not good enough. Well, the team doesn't have enough enough firepower. Brad tripping. Hint, hint. hint. So to me, if you're looking at where does the evaluation (laughs) end, it's at the general manager level. And look, I have no idea how these discussions go. How does how do discussions because Brad's the boss, right? But he also has to answer to the owners. And maybe there's a president of hockey ops. Like, how does that work? How does that hierarchy work? Well, I mean, it used to be president of hockey ops, which is Brian Burke. And that funny how him. funny how as much shit we've given him as soon as he's left. Well, I think Burke is good in a in an upper management role, right? You know, I, he's kind of like, he's kind of like Daryl Sutter to me, right? Is like, I probably wouldn't want him making like management decisions per se, but he has a lot of knowledge and is a good leader. You know what I mean? Suited for an advisory role. So I'll say that about Brian Burke at least. Cause like the final, the final point on this is where I'm at. I know you're at there too. If you're looking at. Yeah. Sure, Brad Tree Living's done a lot of good things. He's also done a lot of things incorrectly. You need somebody who's willing to take this team where it needs to go and pick a fucking direction. You need somebody with a vision. End of story. And what you're seeing right now, which is infuriating to all end, this is Brad's vision manifest. And sure, players are underperforming, but by a lot by enough to really make a big enough difference that this isn't Brad's, this isn't where Brad has taken us. Well, and again, like players are underperforming, but like you said, we didn't see this coming. We didn't see Mark Giordano not being a superstar at age 37, 38. Nobody wow. saw that coming. <laughs> and like you've hammered on how many times, how do you walk out of the Dallas series and your assessment is, is yeah, we want to play exactly like that. And how do you walk out of 1819 and say, yeah, we want to play exactly the opposite? <laughs> so for me, it's time. Yeah. 
And I think you even said this is like, well, at least, at least if they, now they lose tonight against Montreal, you know, Montreal's got the six point buffer again. Maybe we can have the keep go back to this conversation, right? Because otherwise it's another horseshoe up Brad Living's ass and he, and he lasts another year longer. Yeah, if they go on now, a miracle, another- if they go on a miracle run and sneak in, he probably gets another kick at this, and maybe he still will, irregardless. Yeah, he might because he's got one year left, right? Um, no, he's got two more. Oh, he's got the same length as Sutter. That's what See, worries the weird me. Thing, and the weird thing is, is the evaluation from ownership, like giving him an extension before his contract was even up. Yeah. So I don't know. You look at this from the higher up angles in terms of how to, because that's, that's the ultimate question, right? It's like, if you're managing a group and a team, it's like, how, how do you get, how did we get to this point? Well, there was a bunch of decisions. It wasn't one thing. It's not one player. It's a culmination of everything. And you got to like slice and dice. You got to like break down every little thing. And eventually for us, me at least, and a lot of people feel the same way. You you can't help but keep looking up, up the chain, right? Whew. And I think I said this last podcast. Even even if you think Brad all oh, well, he well maybe one more kick of the can he gets it done. It's just like at what point? It's just like do you need a change anyways? He, maybe he is good enough. Maybe, but regardless, at at, at this point when you're when your organization looks this bad, this stale, and I guess, look, we've been winning some games, but. When you're seven years into your tenure and you have one playoff victory and that happened six years ago. And you have a bottom six, like you just listed off, and your defensive depth is what you just list, listed off. And again, like you said, this series of decisions, like probably since, <laughs> what, like 2017, almost every single major decision whether personnel or coaching or any major decision in this organization, the assessment has yep. been wrong. That's every, been the biggest every, thing. Every trade, other than some draft picks, but like every big one with the current roster, from coaching hires to <laughs> shifts in style of play to player acquisitions to not moving certain players, pretty much every single decision. I would say since like the Travis Hamannick trade has been wrong. Almost every single one. Yep. Even on a micro level, like doing things like not signing Manjapani to a big, uh, a longer term deal or like, you know, not, not getting play, a mod- not playing Shillington ever, not ever playing Shillington, not re-signing Michael Stone, buying him out, re-signing him 20 times, trading a first and two seconds for Hamannick, trading Dougie Hamilton and Adam Fox for peanuts, signing James Neal, signing like, you know, like, it's almost every single decision. And it's not even that they've just been wrong in a vacuum. It's that the, the thought process behind them. Yeah. The reason is, those things happen, hiring Jeff Ward. Yeah. This is why we say it's like, we're not trying to be dicks. This is, we want to keep reiterating this. Brad Tree Living's vision made manifest. This team that you're seeing, the season that they've, that they've put, the, put forward this, this last season and last, well, and again, whenever he comes on the radio and talks about accountability, accountability is number one thing starts with me. Starts with me. Well, it hasn't fucking ever started with you. It, it always seems to fall. Oh, it's Johnny Gaudreau's fault we didn't beat the Avalanche. Get him out of here. What a bum. Well, it's Mark Giordano's fault that for some reason at 37 years old, you pegged him as your still number one defenseman and let his defense partner walk. Yeah, like, it's, it's it Sean Monahan. Yeah. Like he was going to be your number one center for how long? Forever. And everyone said for time immemorial, yeah, he's probably not a suited for a number one center role. Still keep him as your number one center. And then you, you know? luck out, and then you have to train. Like you, how many times you said this? You brought in Elias Lundholm to be your third line center. You luck out. He's actually an elite goal, goal scorer in this league. He becomes your best right winger, but you have no right wing depth, so now you got to put him in center. <laughs> this is a shit show of Brad's vision and lack of vision culmination of it made manifest. Like th- this is the results, his culminated effort. Right. And when you break it down, like transaction by transaction, like you said, Oh, you acquire Lindholm. Turns out he's pretty good. 
but you can't get like when you break down these trends, it sounds like a, a bad movie script when it's like you watch it, it's like, oh, that's a pretty good movie. But then you like go back and rewatch it and look at all the plot holes and you're like, none of this makes sense. Yeah. This is moronic. And look, hindsight is always 2020. Some of these moves that maybe they could have made out in different situations. Yeah, I mean, scenarios. hindsight, but I mean, when you see but a pattern. Didn't. Yeah, exactly. And when and you that's... see a pattern of decision after decision after wrong decision, wrong, 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 bad decision, bad decision. Like, ev- like, like I said, this is a trail. This isn't just a one or two or even three time thing. This is a pattern of bad assessments and bad decision making that leads back to Bradtree living. And it this is the this is what sports is all about results that's it you got one measurement it's results and we're not getting them and you eventually you have to look at why right and it's much more than any individual performance this season it's much more going on so that's where i'm at with it (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't maybe you give brad one more shot but like the fact that he hasn't been able to assess the true needs of this team and get somebody, get more goal scorers, the ability to, t- to score goals after so long, it really worries me that I don't even want him to do one more kick at the can because obviously, right, like, obviously he doesn't know what he's doing. And I mean, this one last shot thing is like, for me, he had his one last he shot. Had three last shots. Exactly. It hasn't been like, oh, it's still, he needs one. And then the like COVID Lucic thing, was the last shot. Yeah. And the COVID thing is an excuse. It, it plain and simple is. 100% it's, kind, it's kind of like you do, you do shitty in school. And then there's like something ha- like your dog actually eats your homework on like the last day or something. It's like you've done crappy on all these assignments previously, but you know, the dog eats your one assignment you maybe kind of did good on or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like these decisions had implications that are leading to the current results before the whole pandemic thing happened. Right. Yep. So I, I don't give and again, maybe I'm being too much of a dick, but I mean, I don't give him much of a pass. And like I said, he still spent a shit ton of money in the off season. Right. Oh yeah. We've been up to up against the cap for forever. So I, I don't think there's any excuse for him. And like I, here's my thing: is this like, do do I care if he gets one more shot at the can for next season? No, but I do because I don't believe I don't have the faith in him that he's going to do the right thing, even for his last shot. No, his no, me shot, either. His last shot's going to be way out in left field too. Listen, if it's his last shot and we've we've been to like a second or third round or something and had some success, sure. But when your last shot is like you have done dick all for seven years. <laughs> So I can't believe you <laughs> when you had no results for seven years, how am I supposed to believe you're going to turn it around with one last kick at it? So if I'm look, the reason why I bring this up and like who she, you know, where does the evaluation end? Right. The reason why I do this is because I, I want to know what direction this team needs to go. Yeah. And if I'm the owner's, I'm replacing Bradshaw living at the end of this offseason because barring a miracle run here. And that's still look, miracles happen. Okay. When <laughs> miracle on ice, man, you've seen the movie. I've seen it. Miracles. They do happen, but <laughs> where's the traction, right? You, you can't just like slap it together in the last 10 games. Well, right. I'm sorry to keep using my analogies here, but like this whole bullshit about like, well, they got to run the table here. It's like, you've, d- I don't know why I keep going to this school analogy, but it's like having a shit grade. And then the final exam, you're like, Hey, I need to get a ace. The final exam, get 110%. And then I'll get a good grade. You know, even an ace, ace, you get a hundred percent. Who ever gets a hundred percent? You don't no get 100%. one. You don't. So barring a miracle run, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I am. I'll I'll say it's impossible, but continue. Okay. It, I I don't <laughs> see I don't see the signs because the only signs that I've seen are the imp- implementation of of Sutter's you know system and foundation and whatever. If there if there was more runway, sure. Yeah, but you have eight games. There's no way. If he had more time, I guess the only 
the only last tiny shred of hope for me is looking at the condensed schedule that the Canadians play compared to the Flames. We have a lot of games spread out by comparison to what they do. I think they already look fatigued. They're already having trouble. Like what you saw tonight, like that was them giving everything they had and they just barely squeaked out two goals. Well, and again, so, this game was winnable and you had a nice, you had the schedule in your favor and you had to win tonight. And that's, and that's like, so <laughs> if that's, you know, the peak of what Montreal can throw at you, I don't know. They, they have to lose a bunch more games, but they played Toronto four times. Um, I don't know. And like, the listen, old, don't, don't get me wrong. Like they have played good hockey under Daryl Sutter for sure. Well, they've played better. But like I said, they don't but have like a you fucking said, goal score. And, and yeah. And if you, if you don't have that, then you need much more runway than even the amount of runway you need with a goal score to get back in. Yeah. So whew, it's going to take a miracle, honestly. And I'm not saying it's off the table. There's the one last shred of hope is the, is the schedule comparison. You play the Canucks four times. Here we go again, eh? Starts tonight. It's going to start with the Canucks series. Well, first they got to somehow get past the Senators. Somehow they got to somehow get past the Senators. Well, you got to go, you got to go two and oh against the Oilers the next few games here. Yeah. And last I checked, Connor McDavid had three goals through through the Winnipeg game. So good luck with that. Yeah, he's going to be feeling it. I mean, we're, well, is Mike Smith playing? Did you see he was playing? Yeah, he's playing tonight. Yeah, Oilers won uh, six to one against Winnipeg. McDavid with three goals and four points. <laughs> so it's funny, right? He he. Um, I saw a stat before tonight's game. He needed to average two point one points per game to to hit a hundred points in the last 10, 12 games. And he Challenge accepted. He's gonna hit hundred points. It's insane, man. <laughs> it is ridiculous. What, what a is. monster. So, yeah, like you said, Edmonton. I'm just so sick of. Oh, if they have, okay, here's what they have to do. They got to beat them. They, they got to. They need a miracle. It comes down to needing a miracle. Derek Wills so will probably be on 960 going right now. Well, if you look at the math, it's definitely not in their favor. But if Montreal loses every single game and the Flames <laughs> win every single game, there's still a chance. So, like, as, coming back to this, barring a miracle, and that's what they'll need. If Dude, I'm they're, the they're not even need of a miracle. They're in need of like Jesus. No, like what is the most insane miracle in the Bible? Like whatever it is, Moses parting the Red Sea. Something insane. Blind so men can that. see. Limp or crippled men can walk. You know what would be a miracle is uh, Brad Tree Living adding to the top six. How about that? That'd be a miracle. That would be so more barring, miracle than like water into wine. I shit you not. Barring it, barring that miracle, if I'm ownership, I'm ready to change things up. Like enough is enough. Like it's the same shit. Yeah. The week after week. Okay. At least game after game has changed. It's not game after game. Sutter's taken us to that point where it's not the same shit every game. Cause that's how bad it was under Ward. At least now it's like, okay, every week now. And maybe next next season, Sutter can make it every two weeks or every month. But you well, still need yeah. you, you still need a better team. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to me. Because everybody keeps saying to us, like, oh, see, it wasn't the coach. It's like, I'm seeing the results Daryl Sutter can produce. They're playing a lot better. They're playing a lot more sustainable hockey right now. Sure, it's defensive. But the... The glaring issue right now is the team is not good enough. Who does that lie with? It all comes back to the guy who for three seasons hasn't addressed the biggest issues of this team. Now, if I'm, if I am ownership and I want to really shake things up. Um, and like I said, like, I don't know how this works. I don't know how involved owners are, but I got to find a GM that has the same vision and maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the situation now. Brad Living has the same vision as the owners. This like, oh, we want to be rough and tough. And when you come to the saddle dome, you know, you got to bring your lunch bucket. 
Like, you know, that's what, that's what game you're going to get. How about we just fucking win? Like whatever it takes to win is well, that's what I'm down with. I mean, Sutter's alluded to it, right? He's called it out. You have to play the game now differently than you did five years ago. The game evolves. Same goes for how you manage a team. I mean, you use the comparisons all the time to the Colorado Avalanche, Tampa Bay Lightning. These teams were built. They've been being, these teams have been built differently in the last six years than what Brad's been doing. Direct correlation to the vision and the moves backed by vision from these successful teams to ours. And maybe that's a problem with ownership, but dude, it's time for, it's time for a change. Yeah. And I mean, and and part of that's good. It's even a time for a change because Brad has fallen in love with his group way too much. And part of that change for me is like the, we have to, this, we got to make a Chucky's team. If you want one more kick at the can, you know, spread it out into another three, five years of what Matthew can Chuck. Matthew Kachuk can do now. Matthew Kachuk's only 23 years old. Build this team. You don't have to do a full-on rebuild. Maybe that's what you have to do. Build it around Matthew Kachuk and the other, other, some of the other younger pieces you have. Like, it's time to just kind of start letting go of Geo. He's not the guy that's going to take us to a championship. He's just not. Exactly. And it comes back to me as, like, the believe in this group thing has been so frustrating because – I don't give it like, and honestly, for as much as I love a lot of the guys who are on this team, like you said, I just want to fucking win. Make moves that make your team better. Like, please, you know, like does G does Geo make your team better right now? Then you move on. Monahan, does he make your team better? No. Backlund, no. Those are three guys. Those are three tree living guys that we've kind of identified as leaders of this organization. I personally, I, I will, my blood will be boiling if all three of those guys are back next year. Which three? Geo, Geo, Backlund, Monahan. It's time to move on. Like, it's, yeah, like it's, it's over. That's over. Like maybe you get one more resurgence or two seasons out of Monahan, but look at the regression is undeniable. Dude, it's absolutely mind blowing how bad he has just turned over the last two years. He had a vintage Monaghan goal, but man, those are far and few between now. So I'm exposing Geo. I don't know if Seattle wants to go down that route, but even if they don't, then you can, you can, you can protect who you want. Um, We're probably going to lose Shillington. Or maybe they maybe they pick Backlund. I don't know, depending on what Seattle needs and wants. But regardless, I think you can probably trade Geo in the offseason to a contender. You t- you trade him to a team. How much does he make? Six, seven, five. See, why not? Right? Geo can be the Pareko of or, or the Petrangelo of the offseason, right? Even though he's he's not. But He's got one year left on the contract. It's not that risky for one team that just needs a little, like the others would be perfect. Wouldn't they not? Can you imagine? I wouldn't, I'm not saying I want to see, want to see that, but a team like that, they got a lot of, you know, power up front. They need, they need some more stability in the back end. Geo can give you that for one more year. Put him on a, let him play in your, you know, second pairing and thin and third pairing. Can't rely him on his, like, that's a perfect fit. I don't know if a team can afford it. Well, what about Winnipeg? That's that's a perfect fit. Yep. There's teams out there. I don't see how he's a perfect fit for your team uh, moving forward. Like this kick at the can is not going to be because Geo has his, you know. Is, what, what more can he give us? Right, and I do. I again, like it's you can't blame Geo for this. It's on Tree Living for putting him in this position. He's 37. What's he supposed to do? And look, the reason why I'm going in this direction and pushing on this is like that opens up the door to, to me in my situation. The reason why Matthew Kachuk is tapered off 
is um, th- this is my take. The team has turned him from an alpha male into the beta male, right? And, you know, you hear it in society all the time, but if you look at it, just like, right, what's the, it's the mountain, long, the longhorn, the longhorn sheep or whatever. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, the mountain goat. Like in nature, you see it all the time. Like there's leaders of the pack. They just naturally, like they're the lead. And I think what you've seen, the progression happening is Matthew Kachuk was becoming and becoming, becoming that guy until he was that guy. Last season, he became that guy. After in the, Winnipeg, in the playoffs, he became after, that guy. No after, doubt. Winnipeg, after Winnipeg rolling into the season, he is now that guy. And I think this is my take is internally, the team hasn't been able to go his way, right? Because you still have this other captain and you have guys like Sean Monahan, like you, like the three guys you just mentioned. Backlund, like you said, the organization is so hell-bent that these guys are the leadership group. It's Giordano, Sean Monahan, and Michael Backlund. Change, please. We're ready. Like, if you want to talk about change in a direction with a new general manager, to me, this is also on my list of things. This is like, let's let's get it over and done with, please. Because obviously, Matthew Kachuk is suffering. This is not Matthew Kachuk. I don't know what the fuck's going on in that dressing room. He literally likes who looks like one of those guys in Space Jam. It's like with fucking monsters came and like sucked his soul out of him. A thousand percent. That's what it is. So, because I don't know if it was you or somebody else, but they said, well, maybe Sutter can, you know, bring it back next season. I think the easiest way to do it, you deal with Mark Giordano, get something in value in return, start building your vision around Matthew Kachuk. He's got to be the guy. I'd be going all in around him. Well, and again, like, I, I don't think, again, it, it's because he has been so crappy that it's fr- he's frustrating the shit out of a lot of us. But guys like this, again, like, I just always come back to this thing where people are like, oh, yeah, Calgary can't get, nobody wants to come to Calgary. Who's going to play in Calgary? We can't track free agents, blah, blah, blah. We have this guy here. These guys do not, these guys are fucking diamonds. They don't, a guy like this, a guy like Matthew Kuchuk, right? with the skill that he has, with his hockey background, with his, he's like royalty, you know? Like, this guy knows, ho- like, he's he's such a stud when he's on, when he's Matthew Kachuk. I yeah. don't want to turn this guy into, like, I don't want him to be like, yeah, this is a Mickey Mouse organization. I'm leaving, you know? Yeah, so this is why I bring this up of, like, I want, if I'm the owners, I want to get a GM that has the same vision as me. And part of that vision is we're going Matthew Kachuk's direction now. Like you look at, I'm just thinking of Ryan O'Reilly in Buffalo. Like Ryan O'Reilly's in Buffalo gets the soul sucked out of him. Says, I hate, pretty much wants to quit hockey, (laughs) right? A heart and soul guy, like a soul guy, like Ryan O'Reilly leaves is obviously great and wins the Stanley Cup with the Blues. Dude. Didn't he win the Conn Smythe? I think so. He was unbelievable. I mean, the last little thing I want to throw at that is, look at Sam Bennett. Another goal tonight. He's quoted saying, I'm having the most fun I've had in my career. That kind of scares me a little bit. Um, But look, it could just be, we'll see how this thing plays out for Sam, right? It'll be interesting to see how long he can sustain this. Well, but again, I'll, we we've I'll seen be, him do this before in Calgary, right? Like go on a tear, go on a heater. Yeah. So, and obviously he's having the most fun, right? Look at his last two three seasons, wasting away here in Calgary. Now he's playing in Florida. It's like semi tropical there, is it not? On a good team, in an unbelievable role. I, mean, I was watching the last Florida Panther game. Second line center with Anthony Duclair and Jonathan Huberto. He's bumped up to the first power play unit now. So I'm watching the game. He's on PP2. And then he's killing penalties. And then they bump him up to PP1. So, yeah, he's having the most fun he's ever had in his career. Bar none. This is what this guy, he's, this is what the position he wanted to play in being drafted. Never happened in Calgary. We've got, we've already touched all that. But I just wanted to bring that up one more time because you're looking at the Matthew Kachuk situation. This is a situation where 
You don't want to fuck this up too. And for what reason? So you can appease Mark Giordano and what he's done for this organization. It's not how it works. Like you're only as good as your last at bat. What have you done for me lately? There's a reason why you have, it's harsh, right? There's other ways to make Mark Giordano, you know, feel appreciated for what he did for this organization. You don't have to like risk the direction and vision and the future of your team because of it. You've got to commit to Matthew Chuck. Like, you talk about hope, man. He's our only hope. Yeah. Is he not? And again, it's weird because he's having such a shit season. Like, I watched that game. I was texting you all night. I was like, where is this guy? He's fucking Dude, he invisible. Sucked. That was probably his worst game. That might be his worst game as a flame. He sucked tonight. But we know he's what he's totally we know what he's capable of. And it's kind of like with guys like Gaudreau, too. It's like, I've been a Flames fan for so long that I know when guys come, when you have homegrown guys who are that good, you don't just fucking piss that away. Because if you do, it's a big mistake. We've just seen it too many times in Calgary. We pissed away the entire career of one of the greatest players of all time in Jerome McGinley. You know? Yep. I don't want that to happen again. <laughs>